You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Amen. Amen. That was such a blast. If you were here and you served, I just want to say thank you. How many of you had a blast yesterday serving here at Banner Church? It was awesome. Uh, we are so thankful. We love our, we, you know, it's on the building. We love this town, but we love our community. We love where God uh, has really called us as a church. And honestly, it was just so exciting to see people engaging uh, together in this space. It's the first time we ever done it in this space, and I was just so blessed to see the ministry that was happening yesterday. And I just want to say thank you for everybody who has been so faithful in being a kingdom builder here at Banner Church because everything you just saw was because of that faithful above and beyond generosity here at the church. All of that, all those things, they don't just pop in, they don't just randomly happen, they happen because people at Banner Church said, I believe in being a kingdom builder and going above and beyond and seeing God move in people's lives. And so uh, if you're a kingdom builder, I want to say thank you. Uh, if you've begun to give and be a part of that, I want to say thank you for being faithful so we can we can plan and organize these things. Uh, if you've not become a kingdom builder and you want to know, you can go online. We have all that info at banner.church slash kingdom builders. You can find out how to engage in all the things that God is doing, uh, not only in building the church here, but the kingdom beyond our walls and, and all that's happening. But it's it's pretty exciting. Amen? Amen. Well, today is, uh, actually, you know what, Bef before we do that, I, I saw that Delaney's actually in a service, and I know she's going to hate this, but I, if you didn't know, Delaney is just such an incredible uh, family pastor here, and we call her a family pastor, amen, because we don't, we don't just do kids' church here. We come alongside families to support and empower and believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ for you and your children. And uh, she did an amazing job. I know she was committed because we were driving at like 10 o'clock Saturday night. Was it Friday night? Friday night. Sorry, last night was Saturday night. Friday, it's all a blur. Friday night to drive all the way out to Surprise to pick up more toys from Toys for Tots. And uh, I just love seeing her commitment and her and Austin. I just want to honor her and Austin, who's also a huge part of making this happen, leads our youth, is one of the leaders for our youth ministry. And I loved seeing him there connecting with all the youth kids or the youth age kids coming in and just speaking life into them and finding ways to engage them into the gospel. So uh, can we just take a second and just honor them? Can we give it up for them? They are incredible. We love them. Really a blessing what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a great season. Well, hey, since we're uh, in a series of Advent, looks like we've got a little crooked candle here. What do you think? Oh, I th that's like that. That's like that now. Um, all right, we'll fix that later. <laughs> but we begin every time by having a family come up and share about Advent and the theme that we're in and lighting the candle. So today, uh, I want to invite uh, Judah and his amazing parents to come forward this morning and lead us in Advent. Would you welcome the Chep Keys this morning? with this adorable baby. And I love that he still has the hat on. Uh, plug for small groups while they're coming forward. The Chepkeys are, are leading our college young adult small group. So if you know people that are down for that, they are super cool. I don't know if you noticed, uh, but they are just some of the most fun, uh, joyful people. So I encourage you, uh, connect into that small group. Sign up today. Good, all right, here you go. Hey, everybody. We are the Chapkeys. This is my beautiful wife, Candace, and our wonderful son, Judah, uh, eating his fist. And I'm Gabriel. Um, it's a pleasure to be up here with all of you. Uh, today, the theme for Advent, and this is something sweet. I didn't say in the first service, but my favorite part of Christmas time was always watching the families go up and just bringing in the season with Advent. It's just something really, really special. So to do this now with my family is just really, really a big joy, which is the theme today, joy. Uh, for Advent, so Candace is going to be reading out of Matthew. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They opened, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Father, we 
thank you so much for your joy that you brought in this world. We thank you so much for your son that you gave to us, Lord. Uh, we thank you right now for Pastor Josh and his whole church family and the joy that they were able to bring uh, to this community in Scottsdale uh, and all of this valley, Lord. And we just pray a blessing over those families that receive those, Lord, that they would wake up Christmas morning full of joy, Lord, and understand the truth that your son brought to this world. Um, God, we thank you. We praise your name. Amen. Can we thank the Chep Keys? Awesome. That group is going to be so cool and full of cuteness. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing, really. This week, like they said, we're talking about joy. We've been in our series called Peace on Earth, specifically focusing on Advent. Advent is a season where we celebrate the arrival of Jesus and all that that means and all that that brings. And Advent's a tradition that the church has been doing for a long, long, long time. And I think it's a really beautiful time of reflecting on the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? How many of you have ever gotten just like the best, amazing good news? Has anyone ever here like gotten good news? Cool. Five, okay, let's try that again. Four of you have ever gotten good news. <laughs> I know this is a second service, so you're the people that slept in a little longer, but we're going to shake it off. Here we go. Ready? How many of you have ever gotten good news? Marcus, thank you. Yes. Yes. It is amazing when we get good news. I, I love that feeling, that especially like unexpected good news, like you got a job you didn't even think you were qualified for, or like uh, maybe you had family coming to visit that you didn't know. Some of you, that wouldn't be good news, but for those of you, <laughs> that's good news. Uh, or like maybe you got like a clean bill of health, right? And you're like healthy. Uh, I love, I, I've done a ton of hospital visits, but I love the videos of, of people when they ring the bell, when they leave from the cancer ward and they're, they're free and clear. Like I, I'm just in my office crying. It's like montages of that. It's just me weeping. It's like troops coming home and the bell ringing. That'll get me. That and Rudy. Those are like the movie. Those are like, those get me. I don't know when they hoist, hoist them up. I don't know. It's just short people unite. I don't know what it is. But uh, <laughs> There we go. Thank you. Wow. And you all sat in the back, too. Sit up front. You'll see better. <laughs> but uh, uh, I just, I love good news. You know, one of the best pieces of good news I ever got was we got the call that there was a child available for us to adopt. And I still remember that so clearly. Uh, many of you might know we adopted our son, Henry, uh, that last, last year, and it has been, like, the best. Uh, and by best, I mean the craziest thing. <laughs> uh, but we uh, had a long journey. Some of you might not know that we kind of felt, felt long to us, longer than I would want, uh, felt long to us, a journey of finding, you know, and, and having a child available to adopt. And we went through all the things, and we were like, they said, okay, it's going to happen. And then it was like six months later, it still hadn't happened. And it was kind of crazy because 2019, Christmas of 2019, we we're getting ready to head into 2020 just with, you know, all kinds of excitement and joy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but in the church, I remember, remember thinking like, oh my gosh, we got to go to three services. It's just packed. And it, it, it was so crazy and unique. But I remember honestly, going home and being a little bummed personally speaking not ministerially but just personally because I was like all I want to do is adopt a kid right like come on Jesus I work for you <laughs> I want to adopt a kid and that feels pretty like decently admirable so I'm not asking for a Porsche right and I went home, and I remember just being so bummed. And so we had, the, we had the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every year we begin with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have a whole guide on that we'll be releasing. And I really encourage you to be a part of that. It's a season where there's lots of different kinds of prayer and fasting. But it's a season where we invite the whole church and, and everybody who can to participate in praying and seeking God. And I know, I know. There is never a good time to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's always an event and a thing. But every person I talk to that tells me, I just, I got this thing coming up. As we begin to look at your life and what you believe in and what you're believing for, can I tell you, I, we almost end the conversation thinking, well, maybe I should just start now. There's almost never a bad time for 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you haven't turned on the news lately, we could probably do 365 days of prayer and fasting right? We need God to move. We need revival. We need truth. We need justice to reign. We need mercy. We need breakthrough. Amen? And so, yeah, I know there's no good time, but guess what? There's no bad time for God to move, and we believe for that. So we prayed together, 
And one of the things that I was fasting for was discernment heading into 2020, which actually was a little helpful because the Lord did give it to me. And I don't know if you know anything about 2020 or you just checked out, but there was a lot going on that year. Um, <laughs> but we prayed and fasted and believed for, for God to move like never before. And during that time, I was praying that we would get the call uh, that there was a child available, and honestly, I, I was like, I don't know, who knows? You know, you get like 19 days into 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you're like, maybe not, right? Uh, but we were praying and believing, and we got the phone call. Got the phone call, and the, our licensing agent from Christian Family Care called and said, I have good news. And I was like, let's go, right? <laughs> because normally they don't call and say that. But they, say, they called and said, she just said, I have good news. And she was the sweetest lady. She said, I have... I have good news for you, and I was so pumped about uh, the news because she said, there is a child, he's like somewhere between one and three, a boy who you potentially could be considered to adopt. That still feels like a long shot, right? I was so overjoyed that I just immediately began texting people. I immediately began texting people. I'm like, this is happening, right? And uh, I, one of the reasons I was so overjoyed is because they said his name is either Andy or Henry. And I was like, what is it? They said, well, his name's Henry. And uh, we had always prayed and believed that if we ever had a boy, we'd name him Henry. And it was, this, it was always in our heart. And uh, so we were freaking out. And I remember just being, uh, just texting everybody like, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's happening. And I just, I had this sense of hope. Because that's what good news does. It stirs up this joy. It goes beyond, like, just being happy. It's full of hope. It's joyful because it's hopeful. See, happiness is in the moment. It's in a feeling. It's an experience. Joy is in the soul. It's something greater. It goes beyond just being happy. It's that hopefulness that stirs up joy. Last week we talked about hope. This week we're talking about joy. And I really believe that the arrival of Jesus is the good news that brings hope, but specifically that hope does something for us. It gives us joy. Someone say joy today. Joy. I want to read some scripture. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and open up with me to Luke chapter 2. If you're wondering where Luke is, you go to the New Testament about halfway through. It'll say NT, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Go two chapters in. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, no stress. Words will be on the screen for you. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8, says this. And this is immediately following where Luke shares about the birth of Jesus. But we're going to save that for Christmas Eve, right? We can't, you know, can't give everything away. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, In the same region, as Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Now imagine for a second, if you can, just being out in the field at that time, it would have been very dark. We talked last week about how dark uh, the ancient world was. But I think if you've ever been outside at night, not in a city, you can conceptualize this. And if you've never been outside in a night during a city, close your eyes, and that's what it looks like. Right? <laughs> it is dark. And so here they are. I mean, especially in a time where everything was lit by, like, torch or oil lamps or something, right? Very dark. And then just imagine you're there with sheep at night, and boom! bright shining light supernatural being, right? Who's now speaking to you about a multiple generation old prophecy. That would be shocking, right? 
If you're here during our Angels and Demons series, we talked about angels and how majestic and all these things, and oftentimes what the Bible says they look like, there's all kinds of, you know, as they appear to people, what they, what they look like. Sometimes it's just a man walking on the road. Sometimes it's like some Ezekiel vision. And I got to say, if you get the Ezekiel vision angel, there's reason to be afraid. It looks like some crazy of things, right? And then he's like, don't be afraid. You're like, still pretty afraid, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, I specifically said, don't be afraid. You're like, still afraid, <laughs> right? Because you're having this supernatural experience. So here they are. It says they were filled with great fear. And he says, do not be afraid. And he begins to speak to them. And I, I think it's fascinating as we look even at this moment where God is appearing through, and speaking through these angels, the angel of the Lord, to these shepherds. I don't know if you ever had growing up, we had growing up in our house, a little nativity scene. Nativity scene is kind of like a bunch of action figures that you're not allowed to play with, right? That is the cruelest joke that parents pay, play on their children. It's like, we're going to bring out toys early, but you can't touch them. And they're not wrapped, and it's for Jesus, right? It makes, <laughs> we don't know why, but like every nativity kind of has the same stuff, right? It has like Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, uh, usually some kind of like uh, animals, there's like a donkey or a camel, or I don't know, maybe you have like period specific things, so I don't know what else they would have had, like horses? No? I don't know. doesn't matter. Ours had a donkey and a camel. I remember that. Uh, but it also had shepherds, and it had wise men, kind of two groups of people who come and join. Now for Advent, we just read the, the verse where the Magi come, and that's actually a little bit later than this moment, but both groups of people come and experience, they're led by the Lord to experience the joy of salvation. And I love this thought, because here are these very different groups of people that God reveals the glory of salvation to, the glory of this Savior who will be born. One is the wise men who are uh, socially uh, in a very high position, who are intellectuals, who are financially gifted. You don't bring somebody gold if you're broke, right? But we know from the records of wise men and people who would be advisors and people who would watch the stars that they were financially gifted, they were socially gifted, right? All kinds of things. Then you have this second group of people called shepherds. And the shepherds were people who were physically separated from the city because if you've ever kept livestock, you know there is a distinct smell that doesn't do well in cities, right? And so they would be out in the hills by night, right? You know, shepherds were watching in the hills by night. But shepherds were also not like socially super high on the ladder. They definitely weren't economically super high on the ladder. And I love this about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that the angel has revealed and God has revealed this hope and this joy to multiple groups of very different people. And when he comes and he gives the message, he says, this is the joy for all the people. Now, he's speaking specifically to Israel. When he says all the people, he means a very certain group of people. But we know in Scripture that the gospel is for all the people. So this morning, it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, if you are socially high or socially low. It doesn't matter what people have said about you, put upon you. It doesn't matter what kind of family you come from. It doesn't matter what your last name is. The gospel of joy is for you. And I think that's an important place to begin. Because all of the hope and joy is not spurred out of what you have done to earn it, what you have proved, what, what kind of like basis you have for it. It is purely a message brought to you, for you, from God. For all groups of people. That's one of my favorite things about the gospel, is that one group of people can't steal it away for themselves. Rich, poor, everybody. It's for everyone. The angel says to them, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Look at that phrase. If you have your Bible, jump. Just, just look at verse 10 right there where it says, good news of great joy for all the people. The word there, the root there for the word good news is the word evangelizo, which if you've ever heard the word evangelism is eerily similar, <laughs> right? Like, man, that sounds really close. Evangelizo, good news. Now in English, we use the word the gospel. 
the gospel. Now, we get that word because English and all of our translations of the Bible comes down through, through the Anglo-Saxons. And the Anglo-Saxon direct translation for good news is good spell. Good spell. And so we got gospel. Because that's really lang what language is. It's people groups going and depositing bits and pieces through all kinds of different means and then other people slurring those things together and making what we have now called English. Right? <laughs> it's just an absolute mess. If you've ever tried to teach anybody English, half the time you just spend apologizing. Right? You're like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't know why it's done this. It just is. There's no rule. It just is. It's like, I don't know why there's no, yeah, moose, mooses, meese, mice. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it does. Right? So the word we have is gospel. Now, I've been doing this long enough to know that when I say gospel, there are initial biases that attach to that word because of previous experiences that you may or may not have. See, when I say gospel, people think all kinds of things. Oh, I'm going to preach the gospel. You might think of an evangelist who's preaching, you know, a, more of like a, a brimstone, kind of hellfire and brimstone. Or you might think of, oh, it's this list of, of rules of everything I can't do, right? That's what Christianity is. It's this, you know, the gospel is like this list of rules, and I have to do these things or else God is going to send me to hell because he's mean, and he's, that's what he does. He just sends people to hell if they don't like him enough, right? There's all these things that we begin to attach to the gospel. Can we be real today? Okay, good. I, I hope you're with me here. But I want to encourage you, because I know that you're, you're smart people, that together I think we could reject some of those biases on the word gospel. And just break those away for a second. If you need to say, dear Lord, break those away from my, from my understanding and see it clearly and truly for what it is. The gospel in its purest sense is good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't know what has been attached to that term for you, but I just feel like I need to say it. The Lord led me to say it, that some of you got some junk attached to that word. And though I'm trying to say I'm going to teach, preach the gospel to you, you're making another connection. Here is what I was saying. Here's what the angel said. I came to preach the gospel of joy of Jesus Christ to you today. It's good news pure and simple. It is the good news of salvation for all the people. If you're taking notes today, I just want you to write, we're going to do three things, so I want you to write down the very first thing today. Joy comes from salvation. Though some here in turn, though others might be stirred to revile the truth, it still remains today that the gospel brings joy to the heart of every person who receives it. Luke 2, 11. Look at this verse. We did 2, 10. Go, go to verse 11. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's like the shortest gospel message ever preached right there. That is like so succinct. If you preach a gospel message in a sentence, man, you, we'll have you teach a class, right? So succinct. He says, in the city of David, he's making this connection to a prophecy and all the prophecies about the line of David and from the beginning in Adam and Eve. I talked about, we went in the way back machine last week, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, talking about how God has, has prophesied, or God has had prophets come and speak out and he's made covenants from the beginning to bring about a Messiah. So he's making this connection. But the angel says three words here that are so important. He says, Savior. Someone say, Savior. He says, Christ. Someone say, Christ. And he says, Lord. Someone say, Lord. Savior, Christ, Lord. Let's talk about those. Can we do that for a second? Okay. He says, Savior. He says, this child is going to be a Savior. This child is going to be a Savior. A Savior, the one who can rescue mankind from the scorn of sin and bring them the blessings that will meet their needs. He'll be a Savior. Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us. We need a Savior. I need a Savior. You need a Savior to rescue us from our sin, to pay the debt for our sins that we could not pay. So he must be a Savior. So what kind of Savior? Who will the Savior be? He'll be Christ the Lord. Two more words there. Christ. 
says he'll be Christ. Now, you might have heard this term, but there's a why by this term. He'll be Christ. The Hebrews were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one or the chosen. You're like, oh, that's why they named that TV show that, right? <laughs> he was the anointed one. But Christ is the Greek term, Christo, for the Messiah. So the Hebrews are waiting for the Messiah, and this word Christ is saying, this is just, in another language, the term Messiah. Jesus is the Savior who is Christ, the one who God authorized and empowered to carry out the work of salvation, the one who has been authorized and empowered who is going to be born of a virgin to live a perfect life, to take our sin and shame to the cross, to pay our debt to the ransom of our souls, that this Savior would be the Christ, that he would be anointed, that he would be chosen that he would be set apart. But he's Christ the Lord. That word Lord is so important. See, in almost a single chapter leading up to this moment in Luke, Luke has used this term Lord, this exact word, almost 20 times as a direct, regular title for God. Meaning when he says Lord, he means the Lord God. He means God, the Lord. Not like Lord over a duchy, or a province, the Lord God. And that's the same word that he uses here. In fact, this is the same word that Greek-speaking Jews would use as a regular title for the God of Israel. So when he says he's Christ the Lord, the angel is making an important connection that this Savior, this anointed Messiah, is God himself. This is so important. I, I, I can't even begin to emphasize this. Jesus is not some dude in a robe wandering around the countryside who had some pretty revolutionary ideas. Jesus is God. He is divine. He has divine authority. The Savior cannot do what he needs to do if he is not divine. He's not guy among us. He's God among us, right? He is a divine, fully God, fully man. Through Jesus is God's saving work done. To Jesus is given God's authority. And Jesus is God in the flesh. See, when the angel visited Mary, told her she would give birth to a son. And then the angel went, and visited her fiancé, Joseph, to say, Hey, man, just a heads up. I know your wife's a virgin. Now she's pregnant. But chill for a second. Let me explain. <laughs> right? Just hold up. Hold up. <laughs> let me explain. Says he, he was going to divorce her in secret. God's like, No, no, no. It's cool, man. Like, she's cool. And this is what he says. Matthew 121. Says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Which prophet? The prophet Isaiah. Last week, for the past two weeks, we've been talking about the prophet Isaiah. We did chapter 9, chapter 53. We've talked about the prophet that thousand years before was prophesying about the one who would come to take away the sins of the world. And now, they're pointing back to Isaiah 7, 14 that says, verse 23 here, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This is the gospel that God stepped out of heaven, was born as a baby to be with us. He did not avoid suffering. Isn't that amazing that the God, that Jesus did not avoid suffering? See, every religion is about elevating oneself out of suffering and attaining out of suffering. Christianity is so unique in the sense that Jesus came down to be with us in our suffering as the wounded Savior as the one pierced, as the one who shows us his hands, who says, I have also suffered. Though I had all the power to avoid suffering, I came down, I suffered, and most importantly, I suffered for you, taking your sin and your shame upon myself onto the cross that you might receive grace and eternal life. The gospel is joy. 
because joy comes from salvation. God has come near to you today. Emmanuel, God with us, to bring you near for eternity. That's the gospel. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit transforms, and I believe the Holy Spirit is continually working, and I believe in sanctification. I believe the Holy Spirit is continually working, and that we are constantly working to become more like Christ. And I believe in holiness. But I believe all that begins by first recognizing how deep the Father's love for us, that He sent His only Son to die for our sins, that all who believe may receive eternal life. That's the basis you don't put the foundation on the roof. You put it at the foundation. Because if you put it in the wrong spot, it crushes everything else. This is the foundation. I love that old hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His Son for us to make a wretch His treasure. I don't know about you, but that was me. Lost in sin, found in Christ. The shepherds say, let's go check this out. Let's go see. Scripture says, side note, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I tell you something? I'm just going to press in confidently to a thought here. The Word of God is alive and active. And I'm not saying taste and see religion. I'm not saying taste and see a church system. I'm saying taste and see that the Lord is good. Usually the thing that pushes us away from the truth and the Word of God is all of those other things, right? Usually when I talk to people, they're not leaving the church from what they read in the Bible. They're leaving church because of what somebody did to them, what someone said to them. But when we go to the Word of God, we find truth. I have never begun to read the Word of God with somebody and not see it change their life. And I'm so confident that if you read and press in. If you're like, man, I just, I, I don't even believe in Jesus, but I just want to read what's in this book and read it with somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Let's read it together and let's see. And if he doesn't do anything, great, walk away. I've never seen it happen though because the joy of the Lord is in salvation and it's right here. The shepherd said, let's go taste and see. Let's come near to God because he's come near to us. And so in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Second thing, if you're writing notes, write this down. Joy inspires worship. The reason I say write this down is because our short-term memory can hold seven things. I'm only giving you three. I haven't even taken up half of it. Joy inspires worship. When the angel visits Mary with the news of Christ in Luke 1, here's what she says. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she sings an entire song. After the angel gives the good news of salvation, he comes before the shepherds. You know what he says right there in verse 13? It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the shepherds go and see the Savior, the Savior that came to redeem them, the Messiah that they have been hoping and believing would restore the children of God, you know what they do immediately after? They worship. Luke 9, or 2.19 says, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, but it says, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. All they had heard and seen. Hear me, Jesus changes everything. I was lost, now I am found. I was dead, now I have eternal life. Salvation brings joy because it's a joy that we have been released from the heavy weight of sin and shame. It's the joy that I was once lost in my sin and Jesus 
came and took my place. It is overwhelming what God has done. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming what God has done for us. This isn't in my notes, but I think about this often because often the narrative that comes uh, about the Lord is that he is angry. People say, why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God send people to hell? And I get it. We could get in the theological conversation about how it's not love if you force someone to choose it. They have to choose it, which means if they can choose it, they can choose not to have it. We could get there. But above all that, can I just say the only reason we have access to grace on this earth and eternal life is because of the mercy of God. It's not an angry God who sends us to hell. It is a loving God who sends his son to rescue us from hell. See, my children, uh, they open presents every Christmas, and my children do nothing for those presents. <laughs> I don't know what they think they do around the house, but it's nothing. <laughs> That's not true. My daughter picks up dog poop, and that's everything. Praise her for that. She is so <laughs> amazing, because um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but she opens presents. She didn't work for those presents, right? I didn't get her presents according to the work she has done, right? She's my child. I love her. I gave it to her. Now, if she opens up the present and throws it aside, it would be bold of her to say, I'm like, well, if you don't want it, then yeah, you don't have to take it. She'd be like, well, you're such an angry dad. But no, it's just if you don't want it, you don't have to. I'm not going to force you to love it, to love me, right? But if she flipped it and said, well, yeah, but you're angry, you don't love me. I'm like, I've given, every, I've given everything to you because I love you. See, this is the place that we get in church. Hear me today. God so deeply loves you that he sent his only son to die for you that you have done nothing for. I have done nothing for the freedom. I was on a sinking ship. He came and took me off of it. That is not an angry God. That is a merciful God. So we've begun to see ourselves living in a perfect balance. But can I tell you as a sinner saved by grace that I was on a sinking ship of sin that God rescued me from and restored me. That doesn't sound like an angry God to me. That sounds like a loving God. And his heart cries out that we would receive the joy of that salvation because he longs for everyone to choose to follow him and to love him and to be in relationship with him for all eternity. And it's not because of your degree, your pedigree, your last name, where you're from, what you've done in the past. It is purely because of his great love for you. Our joy is in salvation. And honestly, when we experience that salvation, it should inspire worship Psalm 63, the kids are just going wild. They're having a blast. I, I can't tell. I can never tell with children back here if it's fun or chaos or both. Right? Psalm 63, it's both. It's both. Amen. Amen. Well, if a parent gets a text message, you'll know which one. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, no, it was chaos. <laughs> Psalm 63 is written by David when he had to pretend to be insane so that he wouldn't be murdered. He had to drool and, like, spread poop on stuff, you know, cra crazy people stuff. I'm just saying, this is the Bible. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just saying, like, this is the Bible. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter. We'll keep moving. <laughs> he had to pretend to be crazy, and he wrote Psalm 63 when he had to be crazy in front of Abimelech, who's the king. And this is part of the scripture that he wrote. This is how I know that joy transcends circumstances when you begin to know who the Lord is and how he sees you. It says, because of your steadfast, or sorry, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. See, happiness is a feeling, and we don't worship because of a feeling. Because can I tell you, when I woke up this morning, I woke up at 3.30 this morning and never went back to sleep, and then came here at 6.30 to lead worship, and uh, I wasn't happy. <laughs> Right? I was tired. I didn't have nearly enough coffee to deal with that, right? <laughs> but I was joyful. Why? Because joy is, it transcends happiness. See, my worship is not fueled 
whether it's singing or whether it's just honestly expressing the joy of salvation and praising God, it's not fueled by happiness. It's inspired by joy. That's why worship can happen when I'm experiencing a myriad of emotions. That's why I can be joyful in my job, even though I'm not super happy with my job. I mean, I love my job, but you know what I mean. That's why you can be joyful and praise God, even in difficult circumstances. It's the joy that God loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me and bring me eternal life. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to be my counselor, to be with me, to walk with me. So I worship because God is good, because God has rescued me, because God is with me. I worship because 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, to redeem us. That no matter how you came in here, there is hope and healing for every single person. But I don't want to stop there. Now, if you're here today and you've never experienced that, at the end of this message, I want to pray for you and believe that you will experience the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. And I just want to speak that in right now because I know that the enemy, he comes to lie, steal, and destroy. And, and he comes to, to take that away, the truth that God is trying to speak into your heart right now, to transform you and to give you the love that he has already died to bring you. So I just want to say that to prepare you because I believe that God wants to do a work in your life. But I want to give a third thing today. And in fact, I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to give a third thing today because there's a third step here with joy. Is that as joy inspires worship, worship spreads joy. Have you ever experienced something so life-changing you had to tell somebody? Right? Like so life-changing. Like some of you, like when, when you got engaged, right, he finally popped that question. And you like, you had to text somebody. It was like, but you had to go in order. You know what I'm talking about? You got to go in order. You have to, you thought ahead of time about like the mental list. You're like, I got to text them and them and them. Because if I don't text them in time and they text them, then they're going to be mad. I didn't text them. There's so much anxiety. Women, I don't know how you do it. Like, honestly, guys, you're just like, you pop the question, all your anxieties before, and then you just don't do anything else. That's it. Like, you don't have to tell anybody. Your dudes are like, oh, what's up? Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. Right on. Like, that's it. Like, it's so easy. When I, when I asked Katie to marry me, I literally popped the question, and then we just went down into this cool German restaurant. I was like, this is what I'm doing for the next hour. Like, there's no responsibilities. It's awesome. Um, there was no, like, long proposal set up. I didn't have to, like, have a photographer. Like, nobody was the photographer, right? It was like that. It was just beautiful. It was so easy. Life was so simple at one point. <laughs> I see people getting, like, hot air balloons and, like, descending out of the sky into, like, a five-star restaurant. I'm like, my goodness, this is crazy, right? Uh, but God bless you if you're that creative. If I was proposing now, I would be that creative, too. <laughs> but you just have to tell somebody, right? I, uh, when we got to go into this meeting for our son Henry. We got to go meet the foster family, and it was the first time we got to see a photo of him, because I can't just, like, send photos of children in the government's care out to random people. So we got to go, and, and they had photos there, and they, like, gave us this little file. I don't know if I was supposed to give it back, but I, like, took it, and, like, you know, I was like, this is ours now. Uh, I was so excited. I was, like, taking pictures of the pictures and, like, texting them to people, like, I'm, like in the meeting. I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, I was so excited. I just had to tell everybody. We're walking to the car. I'm, like, calling everybody. I'm like, pick up your phone. Pick up your phone. You they never pick up the phone. Pick up your phone, right? Like, I'm just, like, wanting to call everybody and tell them. And it's like, I didn't need a marketing plan. I didn't need, like, an evangelism class for my children. Here's how you tell people you love your children. Like, well, I'm an introvert. I don't know if I want to tell anybody that I love my kids. It's like, right? <laughs> I didn't need like a, like a step process. It was just like, this has changed my life. This has changed everything about my life. I love this person. So I didn't even met him yet. I'm just like, I love them. Changed me. No one had to tell me to celebrate this little life. It was just a natural overflow of joy in my life. A natural overflow of joy is praise. And a natural over, overflow of praise is joy in others. That's evangelism. Evangelism is just an expression, evangelism, of the good news. Luke 2.17, And they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. It means they revealed what had been told them. And verse 20 says, They left and they they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
See, evangelism we've made in such a scary word. We've also made it into like a choice. As if the good news was something that we own, not something that we share. But the good news is good news. And it's always good news. And when I say evangelism, I'm not saying knock on the door and go around door to door. Some of you would kill it at that. That's your thing. Some of you are like, you can go door to door sell anything. <laughs> what I'm saying is that as believers, we are called to express the joy that we have received through salvation. Matthew 5.14 says this. Everyone still with me? Okay. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I think Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. And when you travel to places where they have had to make a strong decision and sacrifice to follow Jesus, you know what you find? Really joyful people with not a lot of earthly reasons to be joyful. I've been to some places, I'm like, where's the joy going to be in this place? It's in the church. Because they're full of the joy of what God has done for them. They don't have all these distractions telling them to put their hope in other things. Like God has saved me. And Advent is this moment where we pause and we just go, wow, God is good. God is good. And that joy that I've received should inspire those around us. That the praise, that our praise should inspire wonder in others. Who's this Jesus that you're always praising? Who is this? You know, when we got our son, I posted photos all the time. I was overjoyed. And I tell you guys all the time about adopting Henry because it was one of the most profound moments of my life. But can I tell you, I love my son, but nothing has changed my life more than Jesus. And I asked myself this week, do people around me know that? Do I live in such a way? that people around me know that I've received the joy of salvation? Or have I allowed the hurts, the frustrations of this world to steal away that joy and my attention to it and my declaration of it? Have I allowed things to steal it away? And people would say, wow, he really loves his kids. And yeah, Henry's really changed his life. But do they look at me and say, wow, there's something, something's here. What is it? And I say, it's the joy of the Lord through Jesus Christ. See, just like my son, when I'm like, come on, come see. Come see how he's changed my life. Can I tell you out for this church, our cry should be, come see. Come and see how Jesus, through salvation, has brought joy into our hearts. If you have a call on your life this Christmas, may it not be, oh, maybe I'll pop in. Maybe I'll check stuff out. May it be, God, would you use me? to draw other people into the joy of salvation. And if there's anything within me that is keeping that joy from being expressed, would you do a work, Holy Spirit, in my heart today? I invite you, would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you before we end. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Like I said, I want to pray for you today if you've never experienced the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. We said from the beginning, and through Jesus, there's hope for every future and healing for every past. We believe our mission here at Banner Church is that all people would experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Jesus. And so today, if you're here and you're saying, I need that, I've never experienced that love, can I tell you that the Word of God says that anyone is who is in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, and that His love is here to be received today. But every person, every eye closed, every head bowed, every person, if you've never made that choice, the choice is simply this. Those scriptures says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that those who call on his name will be saved if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he has risen from the dead. Can I tell you today that Jesus will do a miracle in your heart as you begin a relationship with him? It's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And I want to give that opportunity to you because I know that God loves you so deeply. 
If you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus with your life, or maybe a long time ago you made that decision and you've been in this space of being unsure, I just, and you say, today I want to commit my heart to him and choose to follow him with my life. I need the hope and healing that comes from him today. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I just very, very simply invite you just to lift your hand and put it back down. If you're saying, I want to make a choice for Jesus today. I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, I thank you that if anyone is in you, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That, Lord, you made him, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that when you look at us, you do not see our sin and shame. You see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I pray right now for every person who would say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I lay my heart at your feet, and I receive the love and salvation that comes through you. I pray right now that you would do a miracle in their heart, that there would be hope for every future and healing for every past in the name of Jesus right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing I want to pray for you today. We've been praying just joy over this place. And I know many of you, your heart might even desire, you have received the joy of salvation, but you have struggled to express it. There's been distractions, there's been frustrations. Maybe you're even struggling with really an attitude of pessimism. You call it being real, but really you're just hurt and frustrated. And you need God to well up by the power of the Holy Spirit and restore to you the joy of salvation that would overflow into others. I would love to pray for you today. I'd be honored to pray for you today. If that's you, would you lift your hands with me? And I want to pray joy over your life, and then we're going to worship together. Jesus, I thank you that our joy comes from you, Lord, that it is secured in you. And so I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would stir up something that goes beyond happiness, that you would stir up joy upon every heart here this morning. And those whose hands are raised, God, I pray you would stir up joy upon their heart right now, that you would first inform us, that you would remind them or reveal even deeper the great love that you have for them, that they would have such a revelation of your great love today, displayed on the cross, secured through the resurrection and life. God, that they would be overjoyed. I pray for those who struggle with hurts and frustrations and negativity and pessimism today, that they would receive the joy of the Lord upon their spirit, that they would begin to respond, that they would begin to live out, that they would begin to walk out in joy, and that there would be such a spirit of joy upon them that it would be unmistakable, they would be unavoidable for their friends and their family. I pray joy upon families right now. I pray joy upon homes. I pray joy upon work. Places. I pray joy upon schools. We pray joy upon this city in the name of Jesus. That depression does not own this city. That the joy of the Lord owns this city, God. We pray the joy of the Lord upon it. And I pray in this brief moment as we worship you, God. I pray as we praise you. I pray as we say, oh, come let us adore him, God. That your praise as we lift it up, that it would inspire even more joy as a body of believers. That we would look to the left and the right and see real people working real lives and walking real journeys who are saying, I choose to worship God and allow the joy to stir up. We worship you, Jesus, in your name. In your name, amen. We worship you, Lord.